Well, dear Richard, how nice to have some, you know, relatively speaking, calm over the last few days, given the, uh, I don't know, the last year and a half of supporting United. Yeah, it's been nice to nice to actually have a bit of a break between games, isn't it? Mm. To uh, to recharge ourselves as much as as much as the players. Yeah, um, not that you were particularly happy after yesterday's one all draw with Fulham, but we'll get to that in a moment. Hello, yeah. hello everyone, welcome to this week's Red Voice. It's a pleasure to have you with us for the slightly calmer episode this week as United uh, rolled out. At Old Trafford for the first time in 14 months with a one-all draw at already relegated Fulham and set themselves up for Europa League final in not too distinctive fashion. But regardless, you got me, you and Lennitz, and him, which you can to discuss the game and preparations for next week's final in Poland. But before all that, Rich, how are we doing? I'm not too bad. It's sunny outside. It's it's almost it's almost warm as well. So summer is nearly here. How are you? Oh, gravy. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have had a couple of days off from United, but. Uh, let's get straight into it. How nice was it to see pictures and clips of United fans and friends and people being back at Old Trafford and just being able to enjoy an occasion of just something as simple as something that we've all taken for granted to a degree of just watching United at home. It's nice to see, but it's even nice to hear. Um, mm. We've had God knows how long now of um, really sort of awful artificial crowd noise and... No delayed reaction noises that are two or three seconds after the actual event that happens um or just complete silence and hearing players shouting at each other and it's been it's been so nice to have here genuine crowd reaction and i think to see the difference it makes to to players as well just in terms of their intensity levels i think not i'm not necessarily talking about united there but but in general the games i've seen over the last couple of days that's definitely been the case. I think what really got me was seeing uh, sky's coverage when the players first came out for their warm-ups and just the way players were clapping fans and the response and the roar. I mean, given there were only 10,000 fans there yesterday, they made a fair racket. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I, I, I guess I guess that's natural. It was particularly the first half was very loud, wasn't it? And I think that's probably natural. Having not been in the ground for such a long time, they wanted to make a noise. I think I think it the, the noise kind of calmed a little bit in the second half as people kind of relaxed back into the match day experience. But um, you could tell that everyone... Almost everyone that was there was was clearly very very happy and very um, sort of desperate to to make a noise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the things that I think often gets lost um, when it comes to actually attending the matches, it, it, it's equally for a lot of people about the social aspect. And one of the things I've always enjoyed about going to Old Trafford is the chance to meet a friend. I'm always guaranteed to either go for a drink or go for a walk or have a chat with someone that I know. And that sense of community has been lost. Obviously, we've been so scattered and we've been. Yeah, people have been doing watch-alongs, and there's there's the community element of watching football via Twitter, which can be positive and negative depending on the game and the circumstances. But it doesn't replace the actual match day experience, does it? No, no, of course it doesn't. And and for for people who regularly go, who have been regularly been going to matches, it is far more than just going to watch football matches, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's it's the experience with your mates or the experience with your family. I mean, I can say that the closest times I've had with my dad have been going to football, and he doesn't even like football, but he <laughs> used to take me because he wanted to do something with me it's been an interesting discussion over the last few weeks about whether whether it's kind of selling out selling your soul to to protest the glazers and then go to a match but mm. my attitude is that that it's not the same as buying or not buying insurance or, or whatever that the, the various sponsors may sell or produce or whatever it's it's more important than that to fundamentally to people's everyday lives um, and I, I don't think it's fair to expect anybody to 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 necessarily give that up, even in with 
even in the context of the Glazers. No, I mean, there's been a degree of virtue signalling over the whole thing, and you know the, the issues that some fans had with people going to watch United again. And it was it was really interesting in the aftermath of the initial Liverpool game uh, postponement. I went and listened to the Anfield rap to get a, a feeling on how some Liverpool fans were feeling. And they, number one, were very appreciative and supported United fans' right to protest and thought it was a good thing that the game had been called off in those sort of circumstances. But they also talked about what it was like under Gillette and Hicks. And they spoke about the most difficult aspect of the protest and trying to get their owners out at the time, you know, 10, 11 years ago, was coming up against fellow fans and mates and the arguments about what a right thing to do in a level of protest was. How far do you push it uh, when it comes to be impacting the team? Do you go to the games? Do you not? And arguing on the cop and all these sort of different things. And it, it, it's it's division like that, that especially when you have a movement where I, I think all United fans who have got any modicum of information or knowledge about the Glazer ownership will agree that the Glazers need to go or we need substantial change in their ownership model to be able to consistently succeed as a club going forward. You know, we all want the same thing, and I know there's going to be discussions and deliberations about the best way to do that. But I think criticizing and critiquing fans for going to watch a game, especially after the last year and a bit that we've had in this country, you know, the, as we spoke about, the social aspect for people has been so huge. You know, I've seen people all over have been mentioning going with their family, with their dad. You know, that the fact that they've got be able to get that sense of routine back after so much disruption and so much trauma over the year plus it's fun it's great i was so pleased to see so many people being able to enjoy the occasion you know even regardless of the result and the performance to a certain degree which we'll get to in a moment but i think as we spoke about a little while ago everyone's got their own line in terms of how far they want to push their protests and their support and how far they're willing to go when it comes to trying to send a message to the glazers but i think it's incredibly difficult to criticize fans for going to this particular game and maybe go, games going on forward in terms of what it actually means and the intended effects. I, I just think it, it, it's a pointless argument to be making. Yeah, it is. I mean, and as well, the reality is that if, if some people don't go, if they've deferred their season tickets or if they've, they've just got rid of them altogether or whatever, unfortunately, somebody is going to take their place. And you, you kind of saw, you know, those fans that walked away in 2005 and formed FC United, that their seats were filled. And if the Glazers are getting paid for the tickets anyway <clears throat> by somebody else, then who loses in that circumstance? The only person who loses is the person who's no longer going to the games. Yeah, Ian Sterling from MUST was talking about this and he was on Sky Sports the previous week as well and he mentioned on Twitter that he'd stayed away for four years or so and it accomplished nothing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't accomplish anything. I think it's more far more productive to focus on, on things like sponsors or to not spend any money in the ground. And just things like that, which are relatively easy to do and will have an impact. I understand why some people feel that matches or not being at matches is a, is a very powerful tool. And I think that's true. I just think it's an awful lot to ask of a lot of people in the context of their lives and, and the world around us at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree. Should we talk about the game then? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously it was fantastic to have fans back in and it was wonderful given the fact that Cavani's recently signed a contract extension, given the love that he's had and given the special place that he's now taken in all of our collective hearts at the moment for him to get that moment. Uh, yes, if we're going to mention VAR, it probably shouldn't have stood. I really don't care. What an exquisite goal to mark a return to fans back at Old Trafford. Not too dissimilar from the last goal we scored at Old Trafford, oddly enough. Yeah, I mean, it's a piece of skill that he needed to do because he doesn't have the pace to go, you know, half length to pitch one-on-one. So 
you saw as soon as he received that ball <clears throat> turned started running that he was going to be caught so he only had one option but to to execute a chip like that from that distance to absolute perfection was was incredible it's not a skill necessarily that we associate with Cavani is it Cavani's particularly a United bit previously he's he's been a classic centre forward scoring in or around the box but that was a that that kind of showed his level of technical excellence as well it's just a, a, an enormous shame that United didn't build on it no no and I think it was in, in some ways reminded me of the game that we played at Craven Cottage earlier on in the season you know United had plenty of the ball and didn't actually do a hell of a lot with it and the chances that we did create we really should have done better with you know I, I think given the circumstances and the occasion I mean, this this goes on to another point which we'll approach later in terms of how United actually handle occasions and don't play the game enough. Um, I did feel like there was an there was an element that a lot of United players, to a degree anyway, were playing up to the fact that fans were back and they were excited. <laughs> I mean, it felt like every time Bruno got the ball in anywhere near shooting distance, he was trying to fire it in for a worldie. You know, I, I mm. it, it did feel odd in a way, and it, it did have big end of season vibes and. You know, I think the bigger problem as well is that we're coming into this Europa League final on the back of two defeats and a draw in the space of a week. And obviously there's mitigation for that. But it's not fantastic form. And especially without Maguire, with Fred and McTominay looking really stodgy in that double pivot, there are problems going into this final now next week. And United are not approaching it with anywhere near any anything approaching momentum, which is a concern. You know, the, the goal itself was, I mean, it's Wan-Bissaka losing his man at the far post, you know. The, Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't mitigate that really, can you? You know, it, it was a arguably a very straight, it was a good finish by Brian on the end of the cross, don't get me wrong, but Wan-Bissaka just... I mean, well, I, I guess, again, the mitigation, if we're going to look at potential reasons for that, is that he absolutely must be knackered because Indy Brandy-Williams can't do anything to deal with him at the moment. Yeah, or, I mean, it, it may be more simple that, that he's simply been told to tuck in in those in those circumstances. Well, that's bad. We've seen it doesn't work. <laughs> well, it, it, it is bad. I mean, you know, you can understand you can understand why you'd want your defence to be more compact and around the box because the most dangerous areas of the pitch are always central. And you'd hope they'd, they'd, they'd deal with any cross that comes in, but... But just a time and time and time again, United are getting done at the far post, aren't they? You know, even against Leicester, it was the same with, with Brandon Williams there. You know, it happened at Brighton. I'm sure there have been a few others because I'm forever being reminded of it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's clear, it's clearly an issue. And I, I'm inclined, in terms of the defensive problems, I'm inclined to give Ollie some slack this season because there simply hasn't been either a pre-season or any point during the season when when those things can really be addressed and, and a lot of time can be spent drilling the back four. Um, but I think these are issues that if they present themselves again next season, it's very, very difficult to defend Solskjaer against those those problems, you know, the, the set-piece problems as well. Um, there, are, there, are, there are key elements to defending which United just aren't doing mm. correctly. Yeah, I mean, I, I do give him some slack this season, but I think next season I, I, I wouldn't be able to. Now, going into these last few games as well, Solskjaer's got a massive problem with Maguire's injury, which came at uh, it couldn't have come at a worse time in terms of preparation. I mean, well, I guess it could have been worse if it had been a couple of months ago. Can you imagine us trying to seal second, third, or fourth without Maguire giving our very dysfunctional uh, centre back setup? And the problem is, is that you've got between Lindelof and Bailly and Tuan Zebe, you're not looking for the best possible duo. You're looking for the least error prone, aren't you? You know, neither of those 
combinations are ideal. I mean, I'd be tempted to go for Lindelof and Tuan Zebe. I mean, Tuan Zebe, I thought, had a decent game against Leicester. And I thought, again, he was all right last night, apart from maybe one slip up in possession under no pressure. But I thought, for the most part, he dealt with situations quite well. You know, Lindelof is always going to get done for pace. You saw that in the first half against Carvalho. You know, he struggled to cut the ball out and Carvalho was gone and he had to pull away for fear of, you know, doing any tackle or conceding a, a penalty or a red card. But he's just not got the ability to cover those positions and those examples particularly well. And buying Lindelof on Thursday, again, there is mitigation because, you know, we were all ex- all exhausted. But at the same time, you know, you can't keep making excuses for this. You know, I'm not expecting the level of defensive solidity uh, without Maguire because we've seen over the last week or so how big he is actually in terms of potential organization and awareness of what's going on around him and keeping potentially others in check you know Luke Shaw's had a really rough week without him and this is the exact wrong time to be getting worried about which partnership we're going to utilize in the Europa League final because it's turning into a big game especially considering that United have lost a lot of momentum and consistency over the last week or couple of weeks or so you know we haven't I've been thinking about this. The last really good performance that I feel like we had was probably City away in terms of a complete 90-minute show. I mean, we've had excellent halves. You know, we were amazing against Roma in the second half in the first leg. And, you know, we played very well against Spurs. It's an odd one. Uh, If United go into Poland next week with a good performance, play solid, and are able to scrounge a one-goal win, you know, in a similar way to, or two-goal win in a similar way that we did in Stockholm four years ago, I'm not going to complain too much, but it's putting a lot of pressure on that game, considering that we do lack fluidity and we're conceding, I'll just say, easy goals and not scoring enough at the minute. No, and I think the last few games have changed the context of the season as well. So I've been pretty positive about what I perceive to be the progress that the team and Ollie have made over the last year. But we're now looking at a situation where the likelihood is he probably will have to field or will choose to field a weakened team at Wolves because it's only three days before the uh, the Europa League final. So, you know, he's not going to want players to be playing twice in three days before that. But we've, we've gone from a position where we, we could potentially have beaten last season's points total by... 10 to 15 points to one where if we weren't to get anything from that last game of the season, we've only improved by five points, which is pretty minimal, really. So you're you're then left with all of the pressure on that Europa League final, because I I think it it goes, it's as fundamental as we win that game, we win that trophy, we can say there has been evolution, there has been development, there has been improvement. If we don't win that game, then it's, it's far more difficult to argue that things have really improved that much. Um, and I, I, you were talking about the, the, the games this week. I, I said in the I think it was the last pod that this, this United team, it doesn't, it's not a mentality thing in, in, in respect of they've got a weak mentality. It's almost the opposite. I think they, they cruise too often. They think they're better than they are. They, they're too often playing at 80, 90% in games for considerable periods. Um, particularly, I think Fulham was was another good example of this. You know, they started pretty well, got a goal, but the, the rest of the match was just a cruise. Hmm. And I understand, I understand to a degree that that there there will always be an element of perhaps a little bit of loss of focus when the goal in in those particular matches is already achieved, and the United were pretty much sure to finish second already. But it's happened all through the season as well. You know, it happened against Sheffield United at home. It happened in Turkey. It happens in the first half of so many away games and it's just really really frustrating to see because what we what we do see what we saw again yesterday is that 
United take their foot off the pedal or they have their foot off the pedal, they get punished and it's impossible to always respond to that. And you suddenly find yourself scrabbling because you, you thought this was easy. Now you're in a position in a position where it's not and you can't change gear as quickly as you as you want to. Mm. So I think it's I just think it's very dangerous a week before the Europa League final for, for them all to be playing at 80 or 90 percent. And, and it, it is just this. It absolutely drives me mad, just this complacency that we play with in large large portions of a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, I guess before we start sitting down to think about what happens next week in Poland, uh, let, 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 let's calm, shall we? Let's just have a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. Right, back to thinking about next week's Europa League final, which, as we mentioned, has taken on a bit more of an important context because United are stumbling. I mean, second place by default, which is one of my favourite ways to get second place. I don't know about you. Thanks to Chelsea beating Leicester last night, meaning United cannot finish lower than second, but we also cannot finish any higher than second because that's just how mass works. I think mentioning the sort of... Is it complacency or is it just a a lack of mental strength? I mean, I, I do wonder how Solskjaer goes about fixing that going forward because you mentioned that we have seen that a lot over the course of the season at various spots and I feel like again mitigation has very much been the word of the week but at the same time it's quite pressing in this instance you know it's football under extenuating circumstances all over the shop and I do feel like in different times we might have seen United show a little bit more strength and be able to push City a little bit further or at least keep up some form coming into a major final and I wonder how much leeway should be given to United given this season and given the fact that, as you mentioned there, we've already sealed Champions League qualification. And to me, it doesn't really matter if you finish second, third or fourth. You know, I, I still think there's been spots of progress in terms of the way that United play and the way we're evolving and the way we're trying to move forward, even if our points total doesn't necessarily reflect that. But at the same time, you don't want to be coming into a game like this with United's tendency to drift through games and with a sometimes startling inability to kind of hit the level that we do need sometimes, especially in a game of this magnitude. You know, if you look at it in isolation, losing Europa League final would, you know, I mean, we're not, it's nowhere near as big as it was four years ago because we've already got Champions League qualification sealed. But I think it's about more for this team in particular because this team hasn't won a trophy since that night in Stockholm, you know, we've lost the FA Cup final. We've fallen short in four semi-finals under Solskjaer so far. And there's been a genuine question mark over our ability to handle those big games and the occasions and making sure that we turn up. And even if it's a boring, stodgy performance that we scrape by and we haven't seen enough of that. We've seen a lot of indecision. We've seen errors. We've seen lapses in concentration and focus, all sorts of things. And it's a big question mark coming into this final. I wonder how Solskjaer approaches it because it's difficult to have absolute faith in this side at the minute, isn't it? Because they give you so many reasons to trust them to be excited. But then, especially without Maguire at the minute, anytime anyone attacks us at the moment, I do get worried. And that's such a huge problem to be having going into a massive game like this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the case all season, hasn't it? I remember the um, the Leeds game, for example, at Old Trafford and United being 4-0 up in the first half and me sitting there not being in completely comfortable with the with the balance of the match because you know this United team is just capable of losing its concentration completely. We saw it to a degree in Rome, didn't we? You know, the, the moment the moment that that's, they turn the dial down that little bit, we're really, really vulnerable. Um, and 
Villarreal are a good side. They're a really good side. They've stuffed Sevilla this week. And they've, they've obviously got Unai Emery in charge, who is the Don of the Europa League. And they've got some really good players. So it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy game at all. I think it's probably going to be ultimately be the hardest game of our run. You know, if, if we're not focused, we are very capable of losing that game. And especially because, you know, United are trying to take this step up. And obviously there's caveats when it comes to how far Solskjaer can push us, maybe potentially with his skill ceiling, which we're still not 100% sure of. And then how much investment he's going to get when it comes to getting what we need. You know, we've spoken about this plenty. You know, I think centre-back has become a much more glaring problem now. We've seen what life is like without Harry Maguire now. Getting a trophy next week and winning that game at whatever cost, I feel like is going to, number one, help Solskjaer when it comes to potentially bringing in players and convincing those around him that he's able to take this team onto the next level. But I think it's key for these players as well. Because as you said there, they're, they lose their concentration and ebb and flow during games so frequently. I think they need to prove to themselves that they can be focused and solid and actually take the next step themselves because sometimes I don't think they believe it. You know, it, it's so odd. You know, there's so much talent in the front line and there is, you know, there are, there are good players all over the pitch, but it's still not a cohesive whole. And the worry I have is that they get in their heads too much or they fall back. And, you know, I think one of the problems that United have is that errors are contagious especially with this side if mm. if McTominay and Fred start giving the ball away then Lindelof and Bayer will end up doing it and you know we saw over the course of last week especially at Liverpool game just how much fatigue was setting in and, and those errors were all over the shop you know from everyone front to back from Henderson going forward coming into this game now and and I guess it is made a little bit easier by the fact that with second sealed uh, Solskjaer can afford to put out a side similar to the one we saw against Leicester last week in terms of playing more of the squad players so I'd imagine Donny would start I would imagine you know it looks like De Gea is going to be the starting goalkeeper in Poland so perhaps Henderson comes in and then you play whichever centre-back you don't want to play in the final itself and then maybe Brandon Williams and Alex Tellers and they make a couple of changes around the hour mark if mm. required if needed if, if anyone needs a bit of a run out and and it's going to be a difficult one to judge because you know we've obviously got fitness warriors to come into the equation too and i i'm starting to think a bit more about the formation as well does ollie go into more of a 3-5-2 similar to what we saw in leipzig or in paris i mean one night it worked very well the other night it didn't you know or do we stick with the 4-2-3-1 and it's a huge question to answer because you know the, the fred mctominay pivot has looked under increasing pressure over the last couple of weeks and it's not done that well with it do you put a pogba further back and then try to go through a bit more of a 4-3 three or do you go with those would you put by Lindelof and Tuanzebe as a centre-back I mean what are your thoughts on it there are a lot of questions I know I've just made several well I know I think start, starting from the back even even the keeper now for the final because it, that yesterday suggested to me that he's he is going to go with De Gea you've got those calls all the way forward I mean obviously Rashford not starting yesterday how does he fit everyone in it seems to be that he's committed to Pogba playing on the, the left-hand side of that of that sort of three behind the behind the striker, which which means where what do you do? Do you go with Greenwood? Do you go with Rashford? You know, it's it's a big call to leave. It would be a big call to leave Rashford out of a final. Mm. And yeah, as you say, the midfield it didn't make any sense to me yesterday. Not just moving Pogba back into the mid, into the midfield and playing Rashford as well because you're playing Fulham at home who had two 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 points from their last nine matches. Um, they're defensively suspect. They're not particularly good. Uh, haven't been particularly good going forward either in the recent weeks. So why not take a risk and play in it or have an extra attacking player in the team? Solskjaer's commitment to that McTominay-Fred axis is sometimes a bit surprising to me. 
Not because they not because they're not both they can both be useful players. I mean I thought I thought um Fred played pretty well yesterday, but they aren't top level and United have consistently shown that we can't control a football match with those two in the midfield. So these are all Matic the answer. <laughs> well yeah, I mean these these are all enormous questions and I do I do kind of feel that this final That was will... a rhetorical question, by the way. Matic isn't the answer. No, he's not the answer, no. It does really feel like this this final will decide whether this season has been one of progress for the team and for Solskjaer or or not. Um, and if it's not, then that leaves him on much stickier ground next season. Because if things don't, if the team, if he doesn't push on again, then I think the, the criticism will come a lot more quickly than if, if United win win this trophy. Yeah, I think the motivational aspect is going to be huge. You know, can Solskjaer get this team focused and can he try and cut out as many errors as possible? And are our good players going to be able to mitigate the mistakes of the bad ones? Yeah, Are we going to be able to succeed with Bruno and Rashford or Greenwood or Cavani and get enough goals to make it a relatively easy game? You know, I, I watched a fair bit of the um, the semi-finals between Arsenal with Villarreal and you know, especially in the first game, they really gave Arsenal a lot of problems. If they play with that intensity, I think we're in real trouble. And it, I think it all depends on how United start that game. I think if they're able to push Villarreal back and get on the front foot, then they could really... I mean, we see this every... T- we say this so frequently. When United are on it, they can give anyone, anyone a game in world football. And it, it's one yeah. of the strangest aspects of this team is that the drop-off between our top level and our lowest level is so severe that you could literally... You see us losing games like you would, I mean, there, there was opportunity, I guess, because we were looking at very shaky towards the end of that Fulham game. Maybe we could have lost that game. You, you can't trust this side when it loses focus. No, not at all. But you know, particularly the second half yesterday, we were completely cruising. And, and Fulham, in the last, probably after the equalising goal, Fulham actually looked like the team who were more likely to win the game, which is astonishing, really, when when United should be reacting. And mm. we've been good at reacting in second halves. We've been good at reacting late in games, but. They they either looked completely knackered or or far too disinterested, and both of those things are bad in the context of having to play a really really important final in a week's time. Yeah, I would really hope it's more the former than the latter, but I I can't completely discount the latter. It's difficult. I mean, it has been an incredibly draining season, I'm sure, for everybody. I mean, everybody, particularly for the for the clubs who've been in Europe. United, have, I, I think, will have played more games than any other English team this season, mm. which particularly given that they didn't have a pre-season at all, bar one match against Villa in which half the squad weren't there. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's no surprise that, that players would be flagging physically and mentally, but this is the, the hand we've been given and we have to, we have to keep going for it and they have to find a way to push themselves on and motivate themselves and to get a bit more out of their, their bodies than they, they perhaps otherwise otherwise would. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been talking, I, I particularly have been looking for ways to kind of explain United's issues when it comes to drifting in and out of game and also sometimes lack of, lack of focus and, you know, sometimes inability to get it for the big games. And what I would like is for United to succeed in spite of the issues and the restraints and the problems that have come with playing top-level football over the last 14 months, not fail because of them. You know, and it's so key, I think, as as you mentioned there in terms of, United maintaining faith in Solskjaer in terms of what he wants to build. I don't think his job's under any threat, but I think it's a massive feather in his cap if he can seal this now. And I guess the other big mitigating fact that comes into the equation when we talk about football as a whole this season 
is that I would say looking at the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, and the Premier League, there's only one team across those in <laughs> all five of those leagues that is actually really doing well, and that's City. You know, you look at the Bundesliga, Bayern knocked out of the quarterfinals. No one in Spain was doing that well, and no one until at least Luis Suarez scored late on in the Wonder. No one seemed to want to win the Liga much last weekend either. Yeah, you know, it's been incredibly difficult. I think a lot of top teams across the continent have incredibly struggled. No one's been consistent, both in the league and in the European competitions. You know, it, it's not like United are alone in terms of their inconsistency, and I, I do feel like City are very much the freak in that whole equation, and that they've been able. To, you know, even they didn't have a great first half of the season. You know, they really struggled up until around Christmas and they just turned it on and never looked back. And I do feel like we, when we look at and we're comparing and contrasting the fortunes of, say, Chelsea, who, again, if they lose that final next week, they they must have had a terrible season. Surely you have to judge that having lost two finals and potentially might even drop out of the top four, even though you assume after the victory tomorrow night, they should be safe. You know, and then you look at potentially Liverpool, who were, you know, obviously very appreciative to Allison for that goal against West Brom at the weekend. But their season is petering out into a battle for top four, just like it was for us last year. It's not like we're alone, as I say, in terms of being a quote unquote top European side struggling for consistency and form across a number of competitions. And I do think that, you know, if we look at the amount of games, as you mentioned, that we played, which is more than any, any other English club, I believe. It's impressive enough that United have been able to hold it together to a degree this long, surely. I think I think the, the degree of the consistency we had between the Arsenal defeat and I guess really the last sort of week to ten days has been incredibly impressive. I think, you know, we were at a point where we'd lost one game in about twenty eight or something, which in the context of the last seven years is you know, it would have been unimaginable in any of those previous seasons, mm. which I guess is why the, the sort of end of season collapse is more frustrating because we know that if, if the intensity had stayed, we we could have been going into this this final absolutely flying. But, as it but is, I think that's it? the key thing, isn't it? Though, Rich, how much can you replicate that intensity? You know, it's something that United do seemingly have the ability to turn on and off when they want but they can't do that indefinitely you know it, it doesn't necessarily seem to you eventually run out of reserves of energy to be able to produce that consistently right we spent so much of this season coming from behind yeah i mean it's, it is absolutely incredible the amount of games we've come from behind to win but the fact that we we get ourselves in that situation so regularly i think i think we've been behind in more than half of our away games this season uh, league games, which is is really no good, and the, but it also highlights the fact that when this team, when this United team is focusing, it can take almost anybody to the cleaners. But when it's not, it's not competitive with anybody. You know, United don't tend to win too many matches when they've been bad through or pretty scratchy throughout. We have spells where we're bad in games, and then we have spells where we're, we're really, really exceptional, which you know again happened at Villa, um, but it's happened. However many times this season, we don't we don't scrap out too many too many sort of ugly wins. That ultimately, I think, is going to be the difference. Has been the difference between us actually challenging City and staying in the staying in the Champions League as well. Yeah, it you just don't know what you're going to get. Not only in in, in individual games, but from twenty minutes to twenty to the next twenty minutes in the same game. So. I can imagine that the the Villarreal game won't be boring because we're absolutely <laughs> incapable of being involved in boring football matches, except for Leeds. Uh, well, there is that. Well, I mean, the Leeds game at Allen Road was boring as hell. 
Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had to have a lot of nil-nil draws already this season, Rich, so I'm not necessarily sure that we're incapable of being boring. I think sometimes boring happens to us, but still. <laughs> a couple of things to mention before we round off this week. Uh, I mean, a nice moment for De Gea to actually play what could potentially be his last game at Old Trafford. Obviously, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but it does, reading the tea leaves, that does seem to be part of the equation going forward. And then... United women rounded off their season with a very disappointing 3-2 defeat to Leicester City in the women's fifth round of the FA Cup. Took the lead twice and gave away some horrific goals. But the story of the United season created several opportunities, didn't seal them, didn't score anywhere near enough goals and conceded horrifically with lapses of concentration in defence. Really sad for Stoney though. I mean, she looked genuinely choked up with statements and also interviews in terms of leaving the club. And it sounds like she's already set up potential transfers for incomings and potentially outgoings going into the next season, which is remarkable when you think about someone's got to mm. carry on her work. But it also goes to show just how involved she's been in this team over the last three years. It sounds like it's been a real wrench to leave, but it feels like this is very much Stony pushed to the edge in terms of how well she can do her job and having to make compromises. And I do have a huge amount of respect for her for taking this decision and not simply trying to squeeze every last ounce of quality and joy out of this current crop of players and actually deciding, no, this isn't good enough for me anymore. So I, I can't blame her for making that decision at all. Um, not a heck of a lot else. I mean, it was nice to see Pogba and Ahmad with the uh, Palestinian flag on the pitch at Old Trafford yesterday as well. Um, yeah. Nice for Ahmad to get a bit of a run out. Yeah, Mason Greenwood could have scored in the second half as well, dragged his shot. You know, maybe not dragged his shot, but couldn't get enough power past Ariola in the second half. Anything else you want to cover before we head off and start, you know, crossing every single orifice that we can that we're going to win next week? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think last time I was on, I didn't mention the under-18s who finished their season about a week ago with an 8-1 home win over Middlesbrough um, and That's unfortunately missed. That is how you do it, but, but unfortunately missed winning the Northern Academy League title by a point from City, which essentially came down to um, a game against Newcastle a few weeks ago. Newcastle really, really struggled this season and United were 2-0 down, came back to 2-2 and then conceded in the right at the end of the game to lose 3-2 against a really poor team. And there have been loads of players who've really done well in the under-18s this season. They've really developed and from a player development perspective, it's been a really, really positive season. But it's just a shame they couldn't quite get get the reward for for their for their hard work. And it's, it's, it's particularly impressive just simply because the, the lineup changes so much. Um, there's so much... Because United really prioritise player development over results to, a, to, to some significant degree we've seen an awful lot of under under 18 players being pushed up to the under 23s to see how they how they react to that see how they perform um and at times it has had a bit of a knock-on for for the under 18s but we've but they've used so many players this season still consistently got good results so I think it's been a really really positive season just with that 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 small caveat that it would have been really nice to actually get some get some reward for it at the end Hmm. All right, score predictions for Wolves and then Villarreal three days later. Wolves is difficult because we just don't know how what is going to go, do we? We don't know whether he's going to put out a strong team to try and gain some momentum going to the final, whether he'll just make wholesale changes and um, and it'll just be a scratch team. I think. I mean, that game is team. always boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wolves. It's incredible, really. I've really enjoyed watching Wolves since they've um, since they've come up to the Premier League, but 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 this Wolves team this season is just about the most boring team in the division um there's nothing there's nothing particularly exciting about them at all um i suspect they'll be pretty motivated to beat us in front of a in front of their fans for the first time this season um 
I can see it just being something either either like a tedious one-one draw, or we'll put out a, a complete bunch of stiffs and and lose two or three-one. I think. All right, and what about midweek in Poland? Jesus, um, <laughs> I'm going to back us to win purely on the basis that we do have better players, um, but purely on the basis as well that it would anger you too much to consider us losing. Well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> um, I I can't see us keeping a clean sheet just because just because we are who we are and we are without our best centre back. Yeah, I mean he's not getting out of those space boots anytime soon, is he? What about you? What, what what do you think? Oh, God. Um, chaos is the only thing I'm going to predict there. I think we'll have ebbs and flows. In the, I, I mean, I, I can't predict the scoreline because I just don't trust United consistently to turn up, but I also don't trust them not to turn up to a degree. I expect us to score and concede. I know that's, you know, that's incredible amount of fence-sitting I'm doing there, but I just don't know. <laughs> I would love to envisage us winning this one, and I think it's vital, as we've said all, eve- all morning, about actually being able to see some progression and the players trusting in themselves on the big occasions because this is a, this is the biggest occasion we've had since four years ago, right? Especially with the team mm. potentially on the precipice of going for someone like Jaden Sancho or bringing more quality players in and trying to match up to City going forward. I think it's vital for the team's development and I, I hope that they are able to stay focused over the course of 90 minutes and the errors can you know, be a nice side note in what is potentially a really useful and important win for the team. But my God, who even knows? I think possibly the most important thing will be whether will be how Bruno plays. I mean, even though he's still been contributing in terms of assists and goals, his form has been a bit rubbish for a couple yeah. of months, I'd say. Um, and you know, even against <clears throat> against Fulham, he's 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 doing things or make or or failing to do things that he's trying to do on a more consistent basis and not actually getting the things right that you that previously would were, were turning games we've, we've looked at him as a big game player haven't we or, or a, he, he's kind of the the driving force or the winner in this in this yeah. team that's pulling a catalyst the catalyst yeah but 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 if he's not catalysting um which he hasn't been to a degree um, it's going to be much more difficult. I mean, if he comes out and has a, a proper Bruno rip them apart fest, which he's absolutely capable of doing, then I think United could possibly win the game comfortably. But if he comes out and he's really, really clunky and uh, error prone as he has been recently, then I think it becomes a much more difficult task. Doesn't even bear thinking about, does no. it? But we'll, we'll reconvene in just over a week's time and see how we get on. Rich, let, let's try not to get too scared and let's just enjoy the last game of the season. You know, it's been a long, tiring, draining campaign. We've got one more league game left, one massive, potentially anxiety, in, headache-inducing final to come next week. Yeah, I mean it's going to be good. I, 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 I could be honest, I, I could, I could live with just not watching this Wolves game at the weekend. Um, but the final, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to the final. I am, I'm excited by being in the final again and by you know, having the opportunity to win a title. And I think it is really, really important for Ollie. And if I think if we win it in the same way that that Fergie. In the catalyst for Fergie, Fergie getting United to the top level was was a series of cup wins, and I think that it can mm. it can improve. It can be really important for confidence. It can be important for the respect that he has from within football. And I think we, you know, we have got quite a few players who've never won a trophy. Once you get over that hurdle, I think it then becomes easier to win them again. Um, so it mm-hmm. really would mean a lot to a lot of people if we could we could get the trophy. 
Indeed it would. We will see what happens in Poland in a week's time. Before all that, make sure you all take care of yourselves and thank you so much for listening this week and indeed every other week. But don't forget, you can always get us on Twitter if you show wish. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices. You can get me at you and like this and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. Don't forget, any reviews or any subscriptions or any ratings on any podcast app are hugely helpful because they are just wonderful and we like reading your reviews. We like hearing what you like and what you don't like. I mean, you know, if you don't like the show, I mean, you can by all means tell us, but I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to listen to it a hell of a lot. Regardless, take care of yourselves and we'll be back next week. All the best. Bye.